are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Well, g'day everybody. Welcome to Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. We're here for yet another brilliant episode where we just talk about nothing in particular. Sometimes we try and relate it to photography, but it just depends on the sort of day we're having, the sort of week we're having and um, how we're feeling. G'day, Matt. How are you feeling today? I'm very energised. <laughs> you sound it. Yeah. For those who don't know, well, for all of you who don't know, um, Matt's just got himself a coffee. We've actually trying, we're, we're trying something new. Um, last week we, or last episode, we did the same thing. We, we had to change the time that we normally record our podcast, which is generally about three in the afternoon, which is, it tends to be, for <clears throat> useless um, information that you don't need to know, tends to be when I need to go for a bit of a walk or I go a bit troppo because I've been inside all day. And uh, I tend to go in a bit of a lull patch. So I thought, why don't we mix it up a bit and try doing these at uh, about 8.30 in the morning? So I'm here in the gallery in Main Street, Mornington. It's a beautiful sunny day. The light is just streaming in through the front gallery window. It looks amazing. And uh, we've got coffees in hand and we're going to try and mix things up a bit and sound a little bit more coherent at uh, 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. So what do you think, Matt? You, uh, you think well, that I'm strategy is going to work? Well, I'm clear of thought because I haven't had a bath and a wine yet. So that's good. It's going to be quite beneficial, I think, to all the listeners um, trying to get some actual information. Um, right. But I am very – I'm actually oh, – I'll tell you what, I'm energised and nervous this morning. Oh. I had, oh, a, thi- I had a thing. Nervous. You mm, had a thing. I had a thing. So Go on. Um, for those who don't know, we obviously don't record this in the morning and then post it in the afternoon because that's just way too much effort. So this is being recorded last week technically now that you're listening to it. <laughs> if that sort of makes sense. A bit like Inception yeah, or Matrix yeah, right. or something like that. This is but it. This is it. This morning I woke up nice and super early and I watched the launch of the new iPhone. Oh, that is so frigging geeky. Yeah, well. Oh, so, my God. What do you mean it was like streamed live on the on the internet, wasn't well, it? Well, I don't know that it was really streamed. I think it was it was very, very, it was very impressive presentation, but it was um, really? very manufactured. So, I, I don't know that it was live yes. streamed at all. I think it was someone hit the play button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it appeared to be live even though it wasn't live. It did appear to be live. But oh, I tell you okay. what, it's, it really got me thinking because I've had um, – a, I, I use my ca- my phone a lot for happy snaps and I actually use it a lot for recording video as well. So it's just a convenient thing. It's always in my pocket. I don't need to change lenses or anything. It just, it just is what it is. Um, yeah. And uh, But my, my phone's getting a bit old and Laura got a new one like last year or the year before. Yeah, I think it was last year. And um, yeah. it takes remarkably better photos than my camera. We're talking um, on, iPhone here. iPhone, or are we iPhone, Android. No, no, it's, right. a, it's an iPhone. Um, yeah. But she takes, you know, we're not printed anything like that. But it, they're very, um, they're great photos for memory shots and stuff. And so I need a new phone because mine's starting to, you know, the battery just just decides to stop working like yeah. three years old. Yeah. And I think I'm yeah. on like an eight or something. Yeah. I watched the launch of the new iPhone this morning, and it's got me a little bit nervous and excited because the capabilities of those cameras. They are just going a bit out of control, yeah. and um, which is I'm super excited about because I like the fact that I can have something that, you know, when I capture video or, or 
walk around kind of just, you know, whatever shots, you know, it's got some quality behind it. It doesn't just feel like a bit of a, oh, well, I took that just to, you know, put on Instagram. Yeah, but I'm not going to be able to do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, but it also makes it's nice it a bit- to think that you could print it out to an A4 or an A3 type sort of photo. Well, I'll tell you what, these ones look like they might be doing a bit better than that even. So Really? The, um, so we should just sell our digital SLRs right now. Well, the only thing is that the hand, the hand feel for you, Tom, is probably going to be wrong. So um, <laughs> that'll probably be hold, hold you. We talked about it in the last episode. We did. That's right. We did. Um, but no, it's it's pretty pretty exciting stuff, I think. Just hang on there a sec, Matt. Hang on, hang on. Just keep talking amongst yourselves. Okay. I got a really good coffee. I got a long black this morning because I'm trying to cut back on my calorie intake and... Um, enjoying that quite a lot but for those who haven't seen it it's definitely worth checking the phone out because um especially for those at the moment who are just taking their phones on like a walkabout um you know doing your 5k daily walk and stuff i think it's yeah they're actually looking like a pretty good um you know just it's with you all the time and stuff and they're improving in quality but where it makes me nervous i think is that there's a lot of digital uh technology put into it that uh i don't want to say it's it's not augmented reality it's uh, i mean there is augmented reality but it's almost like um, the, the new ones are capturing depth maps with a LiDAR scanner. So, What the hell does that mean? Yeah, Come right. Explain that to me. Surely I'm not the only one who doesn't know what a depth map is. Right. So you think about sonar, right? The way that sonar works on a submarine, it pings out a little noise and it measures how long it takes to come back from different directions. So it gets yes. you can see a, a three-dimensional image of distance because it measures the difference, how the sound bounces back. So it, measure, it can actually map... Um, three-dimensional space, right? Now, Got it. Yep. Um, a LiDAR is a very similar concept, but it uses light rays. So there's a tiny little um, invisible light on the front of the, the phone. And a LiDAR scanner, they use them in like helicopters and in, in architecture. And you might see like the 3D um, uh, like real estate walkthroughs these days. They're all done with like a form of LiDAR essentially where it captures three-dimensional space because um, it, it can it can get this depth map. So a depth map says how far away a particular pixel is from the camera. But right. when you overlay a depth map with an actual photo, you essentially get um, a, an image where you can infinitely tweak things like depth of field. So remember we talked about the, um, what was it called? We did. We talked about that. Yeah, that camera. So that was like a really clunky version, but it's now built into the the new pro pro phones, which is insane. So, um, so good. But it makes me nervous because I do think that there's an element of at what point do do you um, do things you know take the fun out of it, or also maybe um, at what point are you capturing things that maybe aren't all that real? You know? Yeah. Right. But yeah. Anyway, that's my thought of the morning. Energizing because I thought, wow, how good is technology? But yeah. You've got me excited. I almost like just want to jump off the podcast and just uh, go straight on to apple.com and find out what the hell's going on there. Yeah. And you know what's really exciting as well, though, is that the little animation they show you, it's just so space age. You're like, whoa. Really? But really, what's going to happen is people are just going to take photos <laughs> of their not, cats with it. So. It's nothing like that. <laughs> no, it's probably you. not going to be like that at all. So. Right. But yeah, okay. so that's a pretty pretty um, exciting development in the technology world. And it won't be long, I don't think, before we start seeing this stuff built into mirrorless cameras, to be honest. That's fantastic. Don't you feel that – I've always felt that the technology in the phones has been way ahead of the digital SLR technology. You know, the fact that you can – I mean, if you told somebody 20 years ago, and let's think 20 years ago, you know, year 2000, wasn't that long ago. It was a long time ago, but it wasn't like we were back in the dark ages then, right? But 
you think if you'd said to somebody 20 years ago that we're all going to be carrying around these phones that take photos that we can then send to each other at the blink of an eye, but also upload to the internet that everyone will see in a matter of, you know, 30 seconds. That's pretty amazing technology, right? And yet still not all of our digital SLRs have the technology to be able to wirelessly send to somebody. That's true. But with all due respect, if you ask someone just before the year 2000 as well, they would tell you that's not possible because we'll all die of Y2K. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, what happened with that? Maybe I'm not. Maybe we all did, Matt. Maybe this is just an augmented reality. We're not experiencing this. Maybe we're all being captured on LiDAR at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a, isn't isn't that the fun thing? Like, I I guess you got to look at, I mean, and I specifically bring up the this morning's announcements in technology because there's a difference between capturing something in camera and processing it. So if you look at like Olympus as a great example, they've got all these really cool tools where you can um, do like uh, long exposures with no ND filter because it's got a built-in digital um, uh, ND filter essentially. So it's wow. it's, uh, it's 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 an algorithm that it's, it doesn't. To be honest, it doesn't. I don't think it looks perfect, but it does a good enough job that most of the time I'd be like, oh, it saves me setting it all up. Um, they've yeah. got some really cool things like that, but. What I think is really exciting about this next level of stuff is that so Apple's released a new version of RAW files. So it's called Apple RAW or Apple Pro RAW or something. And rather than capturing just here's the image, it actually captures all the layers of of what's going on in the technology. So the, the probably the key one here is like is that depth map. So it's like a black and white mask almost where things that are closer to you are going to appear in white and things that are further away are black. So depending on the shade, it's going to give you depth, right? So the same way you might use yep. a depth map, you can use a depth map in Photoshop um, to create like three-dimensional texture and stuff. So, um, But it captures this as a layer. So what I'll be curious to see is how this then gets implemented by a place, you know, people like Adobe, to say in Lightroom, you'll now get depth adjustment tools. And when that starts to happen, you know, I'd like to think that we're going to see the likes of Canon, Nikon, Olympus, Pano, all that, all those companies and Sony, I guess, are picking up this idea and saying, well, look, if you truly could capture a depth map, and it's not going to be at a long range because it's got to send light rays out and get them back and stuff, but at relatively short range, um, that could have massive implications to, to the way that we shoot. And I think that... Um, by separating out the the elements of what's captured, so not just saying, "Oh, here's a photo with a built-in everything." If you can actually extract, you know, the the, the tonal curve, the the depth map, the, the the image in, you know, the contrast aspect of it, all into these separate components, you know, software could do some pretty funky stuff. So, um, you know, the the further phones push it, the more that more camera brands are going to have to think about how do we keep up with that, and that's pretty yeah. that's pretty cool. Especially when yeah. now everyone's going mirrorless. I think mirrorless gives you more of those options, I think. So, right. yeah. So, that's what, wow. I, I, yeah, my head's just spinning this morning. I, I feel like I'm being well left behind as I sit here with my iPhone 6S. Processing film in the dark room. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. If anyone's interested, Tom, Tom's doing a slide presentation night um, <laughs> on, slide uh, on Friday, but uh, it's, it's, it's not a slideshow. It's like just sli- like literally slides, yeah. So, oh my god, I've got boxes of those that I still move on my next move next week. Oh. Like, you know, they just get dragged from one house to the other, and you're just like, oh, what's the point of all these? No, you should just bury them under the, under like a floorboard somewhere. So in the future, someone will dig it up like a like a hidden kind of a time capsule, and they'll be yes. like, oh my gosh, 
Okay, what are these? Yeah. Oh, these are rubbish and they'll, they'll just chuck them on the fire. Yeah. And you know what? I bet you they'll burn in pretty colours though. <laughs> <laughs> That'll provide a, some sort of entertainment for them. But That's it. Now you're helping future money, generations. The money wasted, hey? Well, not wasted. I mean, surely not wasted. There'd be 10, 15 years worth of, of transparencies there, slides. Let alone all of the pano slides or pano film that I've taken mm. over the years, which I think I've told you before, ended up being somewhere in the order of about twenty to forty thousand dollars worth of film and processing. So, gotta gotta, gotta get that money back somehow. Oh, Tom, you can't say it like that because I could argue that you know last year I probably consumed like ten thousand dollars worth of food, and like no one gotta wants, get it back. No, no one wants that back. <laughs> gotta make that. Got to monetize that somehow. And, and much like your boxes of slides, it is just you know bearing down as um dead weight hanging around my waist. So <laughs> maybe maybe if I stop drinking, I could justify that somehow. I could say mm. well, the money I've saved from not drinking, then I've made up for the fact that I've wasted all that money on film. Or the other thing you could do is buy a slide scanner and scan them in and be like, wow, look at that. I got it. I, you know, I did something with that. Yeah, we used to do that back in the late nineties at the sports photographic library that I worked at, which was the first pro sport, well, first pro, yeah, job I had. We had a Nikon cool scanner and it had this uh, attachment to the side that I think held 50 slides Whoa. and you could let it run overnight. So we were using um, Adobe Photoshop 3 and you could set the Nikon cool scanner up to automatically um, scan each of the, slides and it was probably scanning at the maximum resolution and then once it had finished it would slide it back into this carousel and then it would move ever so slightly forward and then the next slide would slot into the scanner and, and <laughs> off it would go but it would take all night it would you know take probably like uh, 5, 10, 20 minutes per slide I'm not sure I, I wish I could remember but it was just painfully slow well, Tom, and, I- and we're talking about sports photographic library with Burst mode <laughs> of images, and here we were trying to convert them all from analog to digital. Wow, we just had a guy full time employed just doing that, just scanning pictures. He was a digital asset manager guy, like wow. secret life of Walter Mitty type thing, and he was just <laughs> he was just employed to scan pictures all day and upload them to the website. And again, the amount of money that Jeff would have spent on friggin' people and websites and stuff, you know, because back in those days, you didn't just open a Shopify site and no. you know, upload 10,000 pictures and go, there you go, come and buy them. You can download them here. But everything have, was custom built. Have so you, custom hold on. Have you, have you called him recently? <laughs> no, I haven't spoken to Jeff for a few years. Well, because he might very well still be sitting in that basement doing it, not realizing that we all moved on, and he's still working on those tens of thousands of he slides. He's just he like know. he doesn't realize no. we're at, uh, at Photoshop fifteen or whatever. No, he's going to wake up. He's going to walk outside one day and be like, "What? What? What?" <laughs> Thinking that he's been getting all these hits. His Google Analytics stopped years ago. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, quickly, I, I actually think the funniest thing about that story, though, Tom, is not about the, the copious amount of work that feels a bit wasted now. I think the funniest part to me is that this professional tool that no doubt costs like thousands of dollars, like a slide scanner back then I don't doubt would be quite expensive, that it's called the Nikon Cool Scan. <laughs> it's like it, who has a professional – like that's almost like having like a, a an, an endoscope call, you know, 
and, and calling it like the you know the I'm not even gonna know it's that's too rude, but like it, it, it seems like the most <laughs> it seems like the most unprofessional like a cool picks thing sounds like a, a child's like toy. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I just trying to be it's trying to be cool when it's not. You can't if if you ever have to tell people that you're cool, you're probably not cool. No, you totally missed that mark. Yeah, this is where I'm going wrong. When I tell everybody that when I answer the phone and I say Tom Putt, world famous landscape photographer, they is that where I'm going wrong? That's, I don't need to. It sounds like the opening line. Know that already. Of a good Australian comedy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or a bad one. Or a really bad one. <laughs> That's one or Tom took a we'll picture. Get, <laughs> we'll get Kenny to play me. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know how that's. Stuart yeah. Jacobson, yeah. It's you not know, Stuart. No, Shane Jacobson. I used to work with Shane. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, in my very first professional so. job. So I, I went straight from school. I went into a post-production house that was an events company that also did. Um, so we do all the post-production on video content for major events. So we do like all the horse racing promos and stuff. Right. And Shane. Like well, delivering toilets. You were filming him delivering toilets. <laughs> well, no. When I say I work with him, I work, he was his show was being edited, or his movie was being edited in the same building, and so Shane was in there quite frequently, having a laugh. And the funny thing was, he's exactly the same as what he was in the in the film. So yeah, it really was a bit too close to reality. Um, yeah. yeah. I wonder how many people are like that. How many actors are very close to their to the you know native character when they when they're acting. Like, yeah, well, I know Sasha Baron Cohen is very, very similar in um, most of his his roles. Yeah, but in real life as well. Yeah, in oh, real yeah. life as well. <laughs> 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 what was, that? was that the wine from last night or was that the coffee from this morning coming up? If, oh. oh, God. No, I'm good. You're, you're going to pass on that one. Yeah. We went down the beach last night and had a little picnic with some friends. I know Ooh. that's actually legal. I think it's legal. How many Not of them legal. were there? How many? There were two plus a small child. And okay. the small child was the feature of this story because we're sitting oh. there having fish and chips and having a great time. And this little one-year-old, um, Nara, gorgeous little girl, she's having a... You mean 11-month-year-old? Because if they're over one, they count as a person, apparently. Oh. She's over one. No, she's really. she's eleven months, Tom. She's eleven months. She's what 11 I heard. Months. She's almost twelve. That's almost what I 12. heard. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, she's sucking down the sparkling mineral water, and the next thing you know, it's coming out the other end. She's like, <gasps> oh, my dad was so embarrassed, and we were pissing ourselves, and uh, and she was laughing her head off. It was just gold. For those what? who don't have kids, you're just thinking, what the hell are you on? That's that's just stupid or rude. Whereas for, for Matt and I, who do have kids, you just think, yeah. Gold. Do Nothing you, better than were they del- fart and laugh. I was going to say, what kind of classy one-year-old's drinking sparkling water? Sparkling mineral water. How's that? I know, I know right? Like, loving it. God, I is it San Pellegrino or something? <laughs> was that's it, it. Was it like top shelf? Yeah, top shelf. That's yeah, it. Twist a, twist a lemon or lime. Twist of just a little, I do it myself with a little twist of lemon at the back. Go on, you like, you should try, you like it. <laughs> that, that little that little um, reference there is for my friend Ainsley, who um, who's uh, a very keen photographer out at sort of Western Victoria way, and she only the other day, God knows how we got onto it. She loves that little film clip, um, Serge, in um, Beverly Hills Cop. So we were pissing ourselves laughing about that, sending each other YouTube links. 
anyway, I love how you tell me. You tell me all the time. You're like, oh, I'm super busy this week. I'm so busy. I've got so much on. And then you tell me stories like that. And I'm like, Tom, do you do you know what busy actually is and what it means to someone who owns a business? Yeah, busy is busy. It doesn't necessarily mean productive or doing money. It just means that I didn't have any spare time. Oh, I mean, you could spend your whole day on Facebook and not have any time. So hold on. Day, really. when, when I'm in the bath, I'm technically busy. Is that right? Very. I'm it's otherwise occupied. You're, you're doing something other than, yeah, you're doing something, aren't you? And so even, if I was, even if I was thinking, even if I was doing, so I'm always busy then. I've, I, geez, I don't have a moment in the day. When I'm sleeping, no chance of getting on to me because I'm way <laughs> too busy sleeping. <laughs> I, I feel like this is not a good way for us to, to talk about our busyness. I thought you were going to go down a serious path there, which is uh, where um, uh, they were talking at the start of this lockdown. Um, I think they were talking, oh, I can't remember. No, I'll get that story wrong. But there was a, they were interviewing a small business owner and she said, as a small business owner, you never stop thinking about your work. Like you know, mm. you work 24-7, which is so true. And... And it's challenging, you know. I think we talked about this in another podcast about the challenges of being a, a full-time, you know, photographer. And yeah, it's it's really, you know, just make sure that make sure you're not too busy. Make sure you're not too busy to to take make on that job. Too busy. Yeah. Well, the thing is, don't don't. Follow, that's why I love having um, work experience people, kids come here to the gallery because I just get them to do all the admin stuff, which sounds really cruel. Cool, but does. I say to them, look, ninety-five percent of what you do when you work for yourself as a photographer is admin versus the five percent which is the fun bit which is that hey i get to go and take photos so, so you're basically saying don't follow your dream like if this is any if this is any example of what life's going to be like do not follow your dream yeah no you've always got to follow your dreams but you've just got to know that it's going to be a a, a long road mm-hmm. as in it's not the rose color you're not looking at it through the rose colored glasses that you think you should or that you, that you are at the moment i think yeah. i would say um there's a great movie that i don't know i've referenced in any of these podcasts called the price of everything oh no you, you it's haven't brilliant. it's on youtube so you can rent it off youtube and the trailer is on youtube as did well. you say rent it off youtube you can rent off youtube i thought you, you know that i thought the whole point of youtube was it was like cat videos <laughs> Matt, that was that was back in two thousand and five when it when it launched. Oh, that's no, probably when I was still probably when I was still scanning slides. Um. <laughs> I believe it. That's only back in two thousand and five. That I'm actually was hold on. Um, what's the, what, what did you say? It's called the pat the price of everything. The price of everything. Google it. The the sort of cover image of this. Guy, oh, it is says buy or rent. Yeah. Hello. Jeez. I just oh, I can't believe I've just told you. Something you didn't know. Well, because I'm just so knowledgeable. Is well, that you are. you're very knowledgeable and you're very geeky from what you've just proven in this uh, podcast already? Well, maybe I'm just too and busy I've to have. I'm too <laughs> busy to too have worked out this. <laughs> yeah. So the price of everything is a great little movie oh. because I watched it on a plane last year. Remember those things that we used to jump in and to, to take us places, planes, and uh, and it was fascinating because it's all about the art world and it comes from a from various different angles, art buyers, collectors, dealers, and um, artists themselves. And huh. there's a there's a guy in there, critic, right at the start, I think the first five minutes, it's probably even in the trailer on YouTube that says, 
don't be an artist unless you really, 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 really have to. And it's so true. It's so true because, because he claims, you know, 99.999% of them are going to end up just starving artists, dead broke. They're not going to be, they're not going to have that dream house and they're not going to have those dream holidays and all the rest of it. They're just going to be working for their passion. And the unfortunate thing about that is that, um, and I, I, there is a point to this story. Is the that- unfortunate thing about that is that, um, you know, most artists, unfortunately, don't know how to, know how to sell their work. Well, and I think with oh yeah, sorry, you go. No, no, I was sorry, with that, I was interrupting. Um, I've just I've just um, signed up with some guys in the US who actually their sole purpose is to actually assist artists in order to sell their artwork online. So they have about three three and a half thousand people that they have um, each twice a week. They do they do a Zoom call. And they jump on the call and they just say, right, what challenges are you you're facing this week? Like, how did you go with implementing that strategy we gave you, you know, last week, et cetera, et cetera. And they just talk it through and they're getting great results because they're saying to the artists, right, guys, you can do this, but this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And to some people who are business savvy, they probably just go, uh, yeah, right, okay, that that's something that would – that's the first thing I do. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm. And to most artists, they're just like, all oh, right, so I should – I should do a Facebook Live then and tell people about the artwork that I'm painting at the moment. You know, they just don't think to do those sorts of things and bring people into the artist's world. But anyway, it's, I'll probably talk more about it through these podcasts as I learn more because I'm really passionate more so probably now about the business of photography versus taking photographs. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I still love creating, but to me... Um, it's, it's the, the next challenge for me in my career for the next 20 years is all about making a business for my photography, not necessarily just taking photographs. So you'll be the next Peter Lick? Uh, <laughs> no, I'll never, you know what? I always wanted to be. I, I discovered Peter's work. For those who don't know Peter Lick, famous Australian landscape photographer. Actually, he's not an Australian anymore. He's actually a US citizen. Mm. Um, grew up in Melbourne, moved to Cairns, worked for the Queensland Tourism Authority and then opened his own galleries back in the mid to late 90s selling limited edition landscape photography, much like the Ken Duncans of the world. Uh, Had four galleries, one in Sydney, QVB building, um, one in Noosa, one in Cairns and the other one in Port Douglas and ran those quite successfully, actually very successfully for a number of years before he closed all of them and um, migrated over to the US. He had them running concurrently, but then the, the Australian ones sort of ran their course and then he, he's got about 15 galleries in the US and has done very well for himself. Google him if you haven't heard of him, Peter Lick, L-I-K. But yeah, I followed his, I, I walked into his gallery in Cairns in the late 90s and just went, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. So that's driven me since, uh, since then. Yeah, right. I'd love to be able to, love to be able to to do what he has done, but that's that's so unique what he's done. He's, he's a real genius when it comes to marketing himself and creating a, a business of photography, that's for sure. And so I think this somewhat leads us into the topic of today, which is taking <laughs> an extra Does it really? 17 I minutes. I was worried that I was getting off topic. We're 27 minutes into the podcast and we might actually get some content out. Yeah. Uh, well, with, so, the thing is, by the, typical, t- actually, by the time you're listening, you might find that we're <laughs> only three minutes in because I will have cut all the crap in the middle. But no. 
<laughs> those regular listeners to our podcast should know that we tend to sort of hit topic about 25 minute mark yep. and then about the 40 minute mark we're really getting going and then we go oh hold on we're almost time's up so see you next week that's it so if you're too busy so, to be listening to the entire thing because you're doing stuff like youtubing and sending cat videos to each other um then just skip straight to the 28 minute mark um if you're not too busy doing that you could busy yourself with our rambles but it's up to you i guess Perfect. But so, okay, so the reason I think this leads into our topic a little bit today is that you're saying that, um, you know, one of the big challenges of pro photographer or to become a pro photographer or whatnot is around marketing yourself. But I'm going to say that um, I reckon that one of the biggest challenges to getting there actually happens way earlier in the piece. So this is way before you get to the point of selling your work. This is gets way before you start shooting professionally or even at a really good amateur level. Um, rules photography rules they're the bane of my existence and they also are the love of my life and i think that there's just so many out there because everyone wants to be clever by having something original but there are good rules in my world and there are bad rules um and i think that sometimes rules can dramatically limit your ability to get creative and find your own style and stride but equally they can provide some i guess some structure to to also help you find your style and stride. So what I want to hear today, Tom, is three rules that you use and or not even use, three rules that you like or that you would recommend as good rules to listen to and three rules that we can put through the shredder. (laughs) Right. Well, 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 Matt, it would be amiss of me to not allow you to go first and lead by example given that this is, you know, what the podcast is named after you, so... Are you just are you deferring because you're like rules? What photography has rules? Oh my god, this is deflecting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's still waking up, so we'll let him get through the coffee. Up, but I haven't got coffee in front of me, so I might well, need you just to show the way. First. Yeah, and the good news, team, is he's only had a week to prepare this. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I speak better off the cuff. If, okay. I, if I put too much thought into it, I I might give, get myself in a little bit of a muddle. Mm, right. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my three then, just to you know, right. Just to, yes, so that I reckon if you if you only followed three rules in photography, that 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 are I'm going to say flawless, like they always work. The first one I would say is what you said. The rule of thirds is a boring one, and it's such a boring one if you don't get creative with it. But you can't deny it works. And if you're after something just to hang all the structure of your work on, rule of thirds just works. For Would, any type of photography or just landscapes? No, nah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that almost any. That I'm going to say that you don't always have to obviously follow it. There are photos that definitely work without it, but if you're ever at a loss, the thirds works yes. in every style, and every it's simple. Style, right? It's really bloody simple as well. That's the key. You can't simple. cock it up. Every camera's got little grid lines <laughs> and stuff. It's it's not something where you have to go. Wait a second, how does this work? Like every scene could follow it. I, and if you don't know what the rule of thirds is, people, just Google it if you can. Well, again, we should. You know what they call in these American American guys when they do these Zoom calls? They call them, we'll put those in the show notes. Ooh, the show notes. Show We're going to start using that term. We'll put that in the show notes, people, which basically means we'll put that as a link in the podcast. Tom said he's going to do that. Facebook. I'm doing that. I'm making notes. I'm going to Good. do everything that I that I said. That uh, there's many times that I promise things Always. on these podcasts and I don't deliver. That's why Always. I'm promising. Why I'm like, no, nah, you know what? If you don't I'm know, Google to, it. All right. 
I'm going to I might even listen back to this podcast no. just to ensure that I'm delivering on that. Well, and that, speaking of cock-ups, we haven't mentioned Nick Fletcher and we can't go an episode without mentioning Nick Fletcher. You stole that from him, by the way. That's his famous <laughs> saying. So number one, rule of thirds, hello, Nick Fletcher. What is the second, the second rule for photography? So this one's not so much... It is. It's always considered a rule, but I'm not really sure how it's worded as a rule because it's not a rule. Is negative space or filling the frame? So to me, I feel as though when you shoot a shot, again, doesn't matter what genre you're in. Um, obviously, there's always exceptions. Always exceptions. So before you go and lose your cool and start emailing me death threats, um, <laughs> which happens, people take this podcast seriously, Tom. Um, they do. From all over the world, by the way. People are listening to this podcast from all over the world. My good – oh, another shout-out. My good friend Ian Wallace, love you to death. He's like the brother from another mother. Love this guy. Shout-out to you, Ian. Thanks for listening. Always listens every week and then sends me this random message, you know, in the middle of the night and says, another excellent podcast. Well done. Matt, he's obviously not. He's obviously not listening to it, then, isn't he? He's just playing your lip service. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, waiting a few days after Wednesday as and pretending that he's listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you know, one day, it. one day he's gonna he's gonna get caught out because he's gonna post your message saying "great podcast," but he's gonna only do it like twenty minutes after you posted the podcast, and it won't have been enough time yeah. for him to actually listen. No, to it. And he's exactly. gonna he's gonna be caught out there. So, or maybe we haven't released a podcast for a few weeks. Ooh, and he just, even he just, worse. I haven't told him that it was a great podcast. Yeah. Now, and I'll go. What do you mean? We stopped doing that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably been. He's probably sitting in the back room scanning slides. Negative um, space and filling okay. the frame. So the one thing that really frustrates me when I see people's shots is that um, there's a, there's always this temptation to capture the subject. So I'll use wildlife as an example, but I think it kind of works with any genre. But if you take a photograph of like, I'm going to use a zebra as an example, and you just take a photo and it's, you know, essentially just a zebra bang in the shot, not much else going on around it. And it's not filled the frame. So it's not like you, you know, you've got like a detail of the zebra. It's just like a zebra, like bum almost touching the left, face almost touching the right. It becomes a shot. (laughs) It, it, It kind of becomes a shot where you go, that looks like I would find it on Wikipedia if I was trying to work out what the hell that stripy horse was. You know, like it's a it's an identification shot. It has no artistic merit in it. Right. Whereas filling the frame, so getting in and, and actually completely filling the frame with a particular detail. So it could be like a headshot, for instance. You know, that's mm. filling the frame. Um, or if you look in portraiture, a headshot is kind of filling the frame. Or if you took a photograph of a person, their entire body's in it in the shot, but then they've got like a lot of space around them where you can see the environment, that's sort of, I guess considered a level of negative space so there's a shitty middle ground in the middle there where you go you haven't filled the frame to show me what you want me to look at and you haven't really shown me what's around it you've just taken a picture of a thing there's no there's no story in this and i think that that's a rule that it's not hard to follow um but if you if you just thought to yourself when you're taking a shot before you click the shutter you go well hold on what am i trying to achieve i think that that have i filled the frame or have i provided some space around it um it's such a simple one right would you agree with Thank that you. from a landscape perspective? I, I, uh, yes, I agree 100%. Good. Yep. I'll let you get muted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just worried about time. I think mm. we probably should go through our top three. Okay. And then next week we should go through the three rules that we should just ditch. Okay. I, I next week we go to ditchy rules. Great rules. 
but we just we need a part A and a part B okay. so that we can explore these thoroughly because I, I want people to grasp these concepts and run with them. It'll also give you another week to plan and prepare. <laughs> no, um, I'm going to do my three top ones good. straight after this. Now. I will stop wasting I'm my time. Stop, wa- stop wasting my precious seconds. All right. So the last one here is if you're doing anything yeah. handheld. The third one, really simple again, is that yeah. if you want to avoid motion blur, one over your shutter speed. So if you shut a, yes. your sorry one over your fo- focal length should be your shutter speed. So if you're at one, one if you're at a, a you know a hundred millimeter lens, you really yes. should try and avoid going slower than one over one hundred. So one one hundredth of a second. I think yeah. that's it just, it, yeah. it's just it's like a really stupid little rule in the background, but I think it it solves it a lot of people's basic sharpness problems. It's true. It's true. They, I mean, you and I take that for granted because we, we sort of we learned that early on, much as the uh, same as everyone else will. And it's ingrained in our memory to know mm. that we should never handhold the camera less than that focal length. Yeah, but unless you have people to. Don't know it. Of course, people don't know it. No, and if you're using a camera with yeah. crazy stabilization, sometimes you can get away with lead. Yeah, I think this is a really well, good I'm rule of thumb. You know, no, no, Leica, Leica, um, Christian Fletcher and Nick Raines, two great Australian landscape photographers. Again, if you don't know them, Google them. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, they actually shoot on Leicas and Leicas have that ability to shoot one, two, three seconds or a second. Mm. I think it's about a second handheld. The new Olympuses have got that too. Yeah, they do. I think the record that we've seen on the Olympus handheld is eight seconds. Eight seconds handheld. Yeah, nuts. Absolutely nuts. That said, it's on a very wide, it's a very wide lens and it's with someone who's very well practiced at this. So it's not like, yeah, I wouldn't be going out there and just saying, hey, everyone can do that. It's, you know. Big shout out to that person. Yeah. You're going to name them and give oh, them to be honest, I, I saw it on it. It was on a Facebook post from, from Olympus <laughs> at one point. So, no, I don't know who it was, but I'm sure that, you know, right. I probably reckon they probably pop some beta blockers and things beforehand as well. So. I thought we were talking about Carl. No, oh, God, no, definitely not Carl. Carl, I think about four seconds, I think he's handheld um, really? record. So, yeah, and, and it was I a pretty good job. I that this was like some sort of competition, like, you know, WWF or, you know, like some weightlifting comp or something like this. It this is. is like, Hold the world record for it and you'll become a legend. The thing is, though, it's only, it's very specifically within that Olympus circle because no other yeah. camera, other than maybe that Leica you're talking about, but many camera brands won't let you get close. So everyone's like, yeah. oh, well, that's not really a competition just because they can't compete. So <laughs> so if you're an Olympus shooter, you've probably heard of it, but yeah. They're, they're sitting in front of their computers, Matt, feverishly Googling what is the world record for a handheld photograph that has no blur and tell me tom <laughs> what is the number one google hit on that now you've the got the problem is that i'm using a podcast microphone that, that 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 i haven't got a stand for i haven't installed a stand so i actually am doing this holding the mic oh the whole 40 minutes wow that's a long handhold so I, I can't be googling this this no. is the unfortunate thing but the other thing is that's impressive that's 38 minutes and 57 seconds of handheld microphone i think that that's probably a record in in itself and and not once have you <laughs> have you dropped it or um dropped you know mic. or have we felt that you had it at a, at, a, at a weird angle or something i think that's that's mm. that's pretty impressive mm. yeah mm. so yeah, tell me tom no, you, you, i take this very seriously you know that well good you're now with that case tell us let's hear your top three well, you know what? Funnily enough, because I'm, I'm, I'm quite a deep, meaningful, screwed-up person, <laughs> I've actually written three rules here that are not necessarily the practical ones like yours. <laughs> so let me see. love, pray. You, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're either going to go, yeah, actually, you've put a lot of thought into this, which is not true. Or you're going to go, Tom, 
That is totally not what I was thinking of. You have totally just screwed up this whole podcast. Well done, mate. Well, that's why we'll have a week to sort these issues out before the next part. How about that? This is it. This is it. You can cane me afterwards. My number one rule in my top three rules of photography is this. God, this first one's lame. But I'm going to justify it. I'm going to justify it. (laughs) Carry your camera with you at all times. I like that one. That ties yes. into my iPhone thing at Thanks, the start. Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. So the reason I say this is because if you're keen on photography, there's a couple of reasons why you should do this. One is that you need to practice as often as possible, although that sort of contradicts the other podcast we did the other week. But secondly, you just never know when you're going to go, oh, I wish I had my camera on me, which if that's a, that hasn't happened to you, you probably haven't been photographing for long enough because we've all been in that, mm-hmm. that time where we go... God, wish I had my camera with me. 2003, maybe, I was doing a job for um, a friend of mine who I used to work with in the sports photo library. She left and I left and she went and started her own business doing amateur sport, like photographing all their team shots. And then she hired me and a few other guys who had a sports background with big lenses and we would shoot the action shot of like, you know, amateur footy on a weekend or soccer or whatever, right? And she had me do this gig over the other side of town one night photographing a, a presentation night. I was coming back via Alba Park Lake and it was May, June and there was a really heavy fog here in Melbourne, which we don't often get, by the way. It happens a few times each year. And as I drove past these sporting fields, the floodlights are on and they're all playing, you know, games and whatever. And I'm like, ah, this, this, this feels like an opportunity where you could get like a close encounters of the third type, kind, like people walking out of the mist into the light and all the rest of it. Ooh. And I'm like, ah, geez, I wish I had my camera on me. That'd be great, wouldn't it? And then I'm like, hold on, I've just been in at a photographic gig. Why wouldn't I have my camera on me? I've got it. So I pull over. And I'm photographing these guys playing this game called Ultimate Frisbee. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I have. And yeah, always baffled like me. Yeah. yeah, you got to get your, you got to pass it to a player and get your the frisbee into your end zone, so to speak. And I'd never seen this game before, never heard of it, and I just started photographing and really high ISO, thirty two hundred, because it was under floodlight at night and um, they're quite grainy, obviously, but it kind of adds the effect. Anyway, I photographed for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes max, and got this great series of portraits. And I got home and I said to my then partner, I said, she said, uh, what happened to you? How was your night? And I said, I reckon I've just taken the best photograph of my life. And she's like, wow, that's big coming from you because I'd never say that. And I go, yeah, it was was unreal. And, And again, I'll post the photograph in the show notes. This is even more reason, Matt. You see what I'm doing? I'm driving people to our Facebook group, which is going to explode, and we're going to be able to monetize this and retire off everybody's winnings. Oh, God, you're listening um, to the wrong podcast, I think, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Grow this group to be 10 million people overnight. Um, it's this photograph of this guy stretching out full stretch for, to reach for this frisbee, and you can see all the digits in his hand, the, the leg muscles bulging. And in the background, this is gold. This is where it gets even better. There's three or four people from his team just ner- just nervously anticipating him and waiting for him to catch this and hoping that he catches it to win for the team and win the world championship of ultimate frisbee. It sounds dramatic. 
supposed to come in a lot earlier than that and go, oh, my God, Tom, I can't wait to see this photograph. Instead, you left a very rude pregnant pause, and I'm not going to forgive you for that. Okay. Anyway, number two, I'm going to move right on. Right, so you bring your camera with you is the key. Take your camera with right. you at all times. At Actually, all times. if you've got two cameras, put one in the car with you. Keep one body in the car and keep the other one with you at home. And that way you don't have to remember to chuck it in the car every time you go somewhere. That's just gold. Oh, my God, that's weird. And if you don't have a second camera, just buy one. Buy one. And if you can't afford to buy one, you should just make a crappy podcast and monetize it. And then you'll be rolling in it and you can buy whatever you want. No, what? You doubt me, Matt. I don't. I'm not doubting you. I'm doubting us, all right? It's a collective effort here. (laughs) Don't drag me into this. Don't drag me down. I'm, I'm the one who's giving us hope. Number two. Number two. Don't doubt yourself. Well, isn't that an interesting segue? Perfect lead in. Isn't that an interesting segue? Don't doubt yourself. So many times as artists, we doubt ourselves. We just wonder whether we're getting anywhere. We're practicing, practicing, practicing. Our photography doesn't seem to be getting any better. We're questioning why we're doing it. We question why we spend the money on the cameras and the lenses and going places, et cetera, et cetera. This leads into my third point. Well, hold on. No, I want, can we stick to the second one for two seconds? I know we're going over time, but I think people will tolerate this because they would have skipped the first 27 minutes. How often do <laughs> How often do we question ourselves in life in general? It's just natural for us to do that, but particularly with our photography because we get very emotive about it, don't we? Well, I think there's a key to this one as well. Like this might not be exactly what you were saying, but I think it leads, no. like, leads off from what you were saying. And I reckon that... It, it actually comes down, and it's very hard to do, so I'm not saying this is easy, shoot for yourself. So if you shoot yes. for yourself, then yes. then it's harder to, well, not harder, but you're going to doubt yourself less because, you know, you're not really taking in all that external noise. Um, and I'm not saying that's an easy thing, especially in the, the age of social media, but if you're ever feeling like you're doubting yourself, you know, taking a little pause off social media for a little while and just mm. enjoying your photos and sharing them with people face-to-face, you know, I know that's hard at the moment, but sh- even simply texting them to a friend as opposed to posting them on Facebook hoping they see them, I think sometimes that can kind of break that self-doubt cycle because you get real feedback, whereas Facebook, it's too, you know, scrolly um, to, to and people can provide, I guess, either nothing at all or, you know, the simple like might give that little hit of dopamine for, for people, but it's not really giving you anything that's, that lasts. So I think sometimes part of not doubting yourself is make sure you're only shooting for you and then share to other people. Don't try and shoot stuff for other people because otherwise you'll probably end up photographing something you're not that interested in anyway. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that leads to my third point, which is passion. Ooh. Because if you're going to doubt yourself, you probably – that's a natural occurrence, but that's okay. We, 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 you'd, you'd hope that, you know, you move on from that and that's then just realize that that's always going to happen. So like, don't go, Oh, why am I doubting myself? Or I shouldn't be doubting myself. And, and that takes away the enjoyment and the passion from why you do it in the first place. So shoot with passion because then that will be evident in the photographs that you take. Mm. I'm sure you've heard that before, but many people, some of the best photographers out there are the ones that are passionate about the subjects that they take. You know, the best wildlife photographers love wildlife. They love birds. They love, you know, African elephants, for example, things like that. And they just they just focus on that and nothing else because that's what they're passionate about more than anything else. I'm passionate about the environment. I love being out walking, you know, Wilson's Prom, the, the Overland Track, you know, anywhere. Um, that's that's that fills me with energy. That's that's my cocoon moment, you know, that that 
God, I'm showing my age there. Um, but, but, you know, that gives me the, the, the purpose in life, you know, to be out amongst all this beautiful wilderness. And for me, to photograph it is just an added bonus, right, at the end of the day. But I'm passionate about showing that off and making it look incredible. And that's what I love about having my photographs on the wall here in the gallery is that people can come and admire them. But I'm going, I know, isn't, but isn't nature amazing? Isn't, isn't the environment that we have here in Australia or anywhere else just incredible? So shoot with passion and then uh, I think it'll be evident in the photographs that you take and then you enter them in photo competitions and you win and boom, you're thanking me for it because you've watched my How to Win Photo Competitions <laughs> presentation from BFOP. Well, speaking, way, I'll, put a, I'll put a link. On <laughs> you know, I, am, I swear, I'm so over this. Got so I, many I, show I mean, notes. I'm across this, I should say, not over it. I'm across it. <laughs> See, I know there was a reason why we did this at eight thirty in the morning because I'm on fire today. Well, I look, I look forward to that fire translating to you putting the actual show notes up in the group that you tell everyone to go to that no one's been to. It's like that's like sending someone to a haunted house at the moment, like. <laughs> Just, the is that I was about to put the show notes up, and, and yeah, of course, the podcast isn't up there. Yeah, well, going, why are you posting this time? I haven't heard that podcast yet. You are indeed switched on, my friend. Um, wow, oh, yeah, you're about to point that out. Weren't you? Well, the thing, that's so I just want to quickly get on on your last passion one. That's really it's it, yes. um, another mentioned for Nick Fletcher, um, but he he advocated for this uh, in in a different recording that we did, and it was talking about how to, I guess, how to um, whether you should be a specialist or a generalist and um, right. it was an interesting conversation because it did go down the lines of, um, you know, being a specialist is quite hard to break into as a photographer. So you, it's very hard these days to find a niche that's not already been done to death. However, yes. if you do have that passion for it, you're, you, you're not sticking at that at that genre just because of the photos. You're sticking to it because you're mm. passionate about it. And if you, the longer you yeah. stick at something, the better you do get. So I think yeah. um, I think that's a really good one. You've got three very, very different types of rules, but they're just as complementary. I think if anything, I reckon we came up with six great non-overlapping rules covering both the philosophical and the physical. Um, and my God, we should patent those. Or something. <laughs> this is why our group is going to explode, and we're going to we're going to live the high life based on all the things that we that preach in these podcasts, Matt. The only the only downside though is that people are going to be reluctant to share our podcast because they're like, no, no, I have the secrets, and I'm not sharing the secrets. <laughs> so, guys, don't worry. We will tell you secrets in our super special podcast that someday will come to fruition. But in the meantime, share the crap out of this. You know, tell you everyone, point at please. it. Please, that'd be great. We we do actually appreciate the the people who do bother to listen and take 45 minutes out of their week each uh, each week to listen to this. Even though it might be some of you walking as you listen to this, which is great, exercising. We're clearly we're not at the gym if you live here in Melbourne. Um, but, you know, we do appreciate you guys and uh, please, if you do get some value from this, let uh, let other people know. And that can just be simple as just like, um, you know, just posting about it on and putting a link in uh, in your in your Facebook or Instagrams or whatever you do, your stories, however you do it. Yeah. But we'd really appreciate that, guys, because um, I think, uh, as Matt said, this content is just too good not to share. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a good wine yeah. going sour in, in it, you know, letting it go over it's... its... Over its uh, shelf life. I should, have brought, I should have brought this onto your level to say, Matt, it's like popping a bottle of Grange mm. and having it all to yourself. Mm. That's, that's, you're not going to get the enjoyment from it. 
are you Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? You see what I did there, Matt? Did you like that? I did. I did. I did. I did. I hope Jeffrey's listening. I'm listen, sure. Jeffrey I'm is sure a good, Jeff is listening. Good friend of ours, and he he uh, has some Grange that he's very nicely shared with us um, in the past. And I'm just putting a little bit of a. I'm just just you're just but you're being greedy and just asking for more, Tom. Yeah. Rather than remi- so this is one of those this is one of those sweet memories you should just hold on to forever, and the more oh, the more you do okay. it, the more normalised it becomes. And soon, just a Tuesday night, you'll be like, I'm "Not drinking that swell. Where's my Grange?" So you know, I'll be saying, "I'm not drinking that rubbish. That's just Grange." No, no, <laughs> God, no. As in, like you'll be looking at that lovely bottle you've already got and being like, "Well, it's not Grange, so I'm not drinking it." You know, you just don't oh, want to like, get this celebrity status to get to your head. That's all. You don't want to be one of those like Don <laughs> Perignon kind of like you know. Flying in your G six, you know. <laughs> if anybody would like to, you know, I know that there's no easy way to thank us for the the brilliant work that we've done in this podcast this year through COVID. Especially if you live in Melbourne and you've been listening to this, and you go, I've got a lot of enjoyment from listening to Tom and Matt each week. It, don't don't let this go unnoticed because otherwise we will spit the dummy and not come back next year. That's right, Dan Murphy's delivers. If you'd like to send us a bottle of Grange as just a small thank you, just a small thank you for the podcast that we've done through these difficult times, um, we will we will provide our, our address. In fact, uh, you know, you just look up my gallery address there, and Matt, you've got a PO box or something, haven't you? No, I've just got my address. No, just like I just like walk in. Send me. I tell you what, you can trust me, Matt, can't you? Send me. <laughs> trust you to trust. Send me for those listening. Send me the two bottles, and I will. I will. I promise you. Pass on that bottle to Matt. I'm not sure whether it'll still have the cork in it, but I will pass that bottle on. And and thank you very much for sending us two bottles of Grange, not just one. That would only equate to about two hundred and fifty dollars per episode of gratitude. But that's, I yeah, that's uh, that's about what it would equal. Come on, if you went on to Dan Murphy's right now, no, Tom, don't, don't. Well, it depends if you want a good bottle or not. Well, well, people are just going, I'm going to buy the cheapest bottle of grain I can find. Well, that's what we're trying to discourage. Yeah. 2004. Yeah. Not the, $752. Not the greatest year. <laughs> isn't it? No. Well, well, maybe it hasn't had time to mature. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know what? People would have said that about you a few years ago as well, but <laughs> here we are a few years later and still questioning it. So still, instead, still just jump to the good years. Um, I was uh, I was actually gifted a 2012 bottle uh, a few weeks back, and um, right. and and I believe that that is um, quite spectacular. So just saying, guys, 2020, 2012, when not 2020. You, God, when would, you, when would you pop that? Oh, okay. probably. It depends if I it's winter or something. That. Yeah. I tell you, I've answered my own question and butted in rudely. No, when Isla turns twenty-one, you should open that. Oh bottle. God, no! That means I've got to share it. Um, I'm, I'm actually you don't. thinking. You can, you can wait for everyone else to piss off. Mate. <laughs> just like get, 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 get hammered on gonna, it. At two in the morning, you're going to open this bottle of Grange and just and think of me. Well, actually, I've got an experiment that I'd like to try, and um, because obviously as summer rolls around and the weather gets a bit better, and we start getting these nice summer days, I do like a glass of sparkling, and so um, I, I enjoy a sparkling Shiraz as well. So we got oh, a soda stream. So I'm thinking of just whacking that uh, bottle in the soda stream <laughs> and seeing if I can get myself a nice um, vintage sparkling. No, you can't, you can't. You're not going to put the Grange through the soda stream, mate. Well, obviously, you'll need to tune in next week and find out. 
<laughs> I got distracted. And a mate of mine who's an artist uh, come, came to the, the gallery door wanting to bust his way in. G'day, oh. Graham. Graham and Ella. Just a big shout out to them as well. <laughs> Matt, it's been, it's been highly enjoyable, highly entertaining just between you and me. And we've gone over time. So we should call it quits. Those who are just feverishly listening to this are needing to get the pasta off the stove or make their first cup of coffee or uh, finish their walk, whatever they're doing. So thank you uh, yet again, Matt, for your time and wisdom and knowledge and expertise. And uh, we look forward to catching you on yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Excellent Podcast. Podcast.